is this, it says product of Germany. Is it? Is it? I mean, is or uh, is it? Is, does someone own it here? Is, is Bitburger is it actually, actually German? Yeah. Is it actually German? Yeah. No, it's it's brewed there. Yeah, it's brewed in um, I think Baden-Württemberg, west of Stuttgart. Um, um, have you have you been to Baden-Württemberg? Uh, yeah. It took me forever to finally get there, but I finally was there last. Yeah, last time I was in Germany. I've been traveling to Germany for like twelve years. I'd never been to Stuttgart, um, but I finally made it, and it was it was fun. You say everyone needs to get um, to Baden-Württemberg at least once in their no, life. No, I wouldn't say that. It it is not the. <laughs> there's a reason it took me twelve years to get there. Okay. Um, it's a fine place to go. You know, I everywhere I, every time I go to Germany, people are like, "Oh, you're here for for you know the, the Porsches and the Mercedes and the BMW tours and stuff." I'm like, "No, not really. I'm here for beer." They're like, "Oh, well, yeah, we yeah, do have good beer. beer. You're right." Yeah, they're not rich. Everyone, I think they're just used to American tourists coming over for, um, for, cars. for all the tours of the car factories. Huh? Have you ever driven Which, on the autobahn though? Have you ever felt the thrill? No. Oh yeah. What am I saying? Yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah, I drove from Munich up to Nuremberg and Bamberg one time. How fast um, do you get on that? How, how fast do you get on that bad boy? Well, I was getting. I had like some <laughs> Fiat Panda or some you know terrible <laughs> car that doesn't go above about you know sixty kilometers an hour anyway. Um, so I, I was being passed. That's for sure. Actually, no. We were in. Uh, uh, where was it? Oh, we were in Belgium one time when we passed a Ferrari <laughs> in our Fiat Panda. <laughs> in a Fiat. <laughs> There's some some sort of victory there. I was I was excited about that. Awesome. So hey everybody, uh, welcome to Liquid Bread, our inaugural episode. I'm Maddie Smith. I'm a writer Liquid and director. Bread. Uh, Liquid Bread. <laughs> We're doing it, guys. And with me is a very talented actor, Larry Bates. How you doing, Larry? I'm doing pretty good. Larry's drinking a bit burger. I'm yes, drinking a bit burger. And also with us is Larry's brother-in-law, Rich Higgins. I'm gonna kind of set you up, Rich. Do it to give people. You know, the answer to the question, why are you listening to us? Rich is a master Cicerone. Um, if you don't know, it's basically a sommelier, but for beer, like an official... Uh, Did he say that word right? Sommelier? He nailed it. And Rich is also a certified sommelier. He's a former brewmaster. He operates beer immersions, educational beer tours in Belgium and Germany. He's an author. He's an instructor. He's a public speaker on all things beer and food and has loved working in the world of craft beer for 16 years. And Larry and I will tell you up front, he's one of the most fun, exciting people to talk to about beer. The best person to drink beer with. The best person. You guys, he will have you guys you, don't sober he, up very often, no, I guess. He will, have, no, he will have you home brewing just by having one or two beers with him, 100%. The best. <laughs> You're kind, guys. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, this is probably the only time we'll do the whole pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Please. But yeah, so... so, so you know, I, I, we're going to get into the episode in a second. I'm very excited to do that. But kind of just to, to, to get up front, what we want to do with this podcast, we all love beer. We love drinking it. Obviously, Rich really loves drinking it. Uh, and there's a lot going on with beer. There's a lot of uh, uh, cultural stories um, surrounding beer. It's a very social activity. A lot of beers are very uh, very rooted in, in, in geography, where they are. Um, and just throughout history, I feel like beer is like the Forrest Gump of alcoholic drinks and that it just kind of pops up all the time and it's incredible with shrimp and incredible with shrimp so we just love talking about it and so you know whether you like love beer if you're like a diehard who goes tries every craft beer who's trading cans or all that sort of stuff or if you just like want to be able to go to the restaurant and know what you're ordering and also i'll tell you like rich is filled with little facts that are like fun like little those little party trick type tidbits that are just fun to share with people yeah Yeah, go to the grocery store you know what you're doing uh rich is there anything you kind of want to say just to introduce your what are your goals what are your squad goals rich Oh boy, what are my goals? I'm just, I'm so stoked for, you know, about beer. I mean, it's crazy. Like, yeah, I've worked in this thing for a long time, but I've been drinking it for even longer than I've been working in it. And um, it's just, it's delicious and it gets me super excited. And I like to share that excitement. And 
you know, if people are stoked about beer because they care about all the nerdy scientific tech, technical stuff, then that's great. You know, let's talk about that. Or if people are just stoked because it tastes good or, you know, they tell funnier jokes when they're drinking beer or they, you know, it reminds them of going to Germany or that maybe they want to go to Belgium and learn a little bit more about, about that beer. You know, beer can be so many different things with so many different people. And I just want to help uh, sort of let people access beer through whatever lens they're they're they want to look through awesome and, and one thing i want to say one thing that i love about you rich um i don't know if i've told you this but like but basically i got to know you originally because it was on your beer tour in belgium that's with my right, dad yeah. and it was an incredible time you you i liked beer before that but now like i'm in the hole for beer <laughs> i'm a beer now you're running a podcast i try to <laughs> although i still feel like at times like i i i my knowledge is is you know Every now and then I, I you know, dig myself a hole when I'm trying to sound hey, smart about it. It's fun to make stuff um, up. But that's why it's nice for you to call me out. Uh, <laughs> but I will say also a fun thing that I thought, you know, because like I'm meeting up with this beer expert guy. And what I didn't really expect was just how, you know, I, when I think of like meeting, like a wine tasting or something, there's a little bit of like a restraint. Basically, we're not going to get a little tipsy on our journey and stuff like that. But with you, you were very much like, get another beer. Let's get another Let's yes. have another. Try this yes. one. Keep going. <laughs> yes. And 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 I know it's like kind of like a funny part. And it's like fun to get a little drunk and stuff like that. But that's not really. It's but it's not even just that. It's just that that's how people normally engage with beer. Mm. And you love engaging with beer in that way. It's not like you're this intellectual who wants to taste it, and know what it tastes like. You're like, let's sit down in you know this little brew pub or whatever in Brussels, and let's like have a few and enjoy both sides of well this tastes like this and this is why it's made but also like it's fun to sit here with your buddies and just talk and drink yeah that's cool that's cool you learned something maddie <laughs> yeah. i appreciate it <laughs> yeah well yeah. beer you know beer is about culture you know that's that's how people have been enjoying it you know people i guess you could say some people or some some subcultures have been sort of taking little little bird sips of it over the over the eons but in general mm -hmm. people are you know really chugging it and taking it down and getting yeah. refreshed by it and so you know if you sit and you know really like you know on the on the tests that I've taken, you know, doing, doing blind tasting tests and things like that, you know, you've got a limited number of ounces. You've got like two or three ounces to, to drink out of, to identify the beer, identify what's going on with it. And that sort of misses the mark of, of what the beer was originally brewed for. You know, it's, it's usually served in larger portions and you're really supposed to, you know, drink it fast or drink it, you know, in big gulps and really enjoy it. And for so, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's exactly. And in the shower. <laughs> yep. And, you know, <laughs> 1 p.m. on a Tuesday, and we are drinking Big Burger. <laughs> That's right. Uh, awesome. So you know what? I think let's just get into it, huh? Sure. So, yeah. uh, so uh, the I'll, I'll actually, you know what? Before we go, let's go real quick. Also, just to get this out of the way, the podcast is called Liquid Bread. Fairly common kind of nickname. Uh, Rich, do you want to kind of describe why it's called liquid bread? Yeah, I mean, basically it's made from the same stuff that bread is made from. And, you know, historic uh, grain growing uh, cultures uh, typically made uh, beer and bread. And uh, bakeries and breweries were really pretty much the same thing for a really long time. Um, the, you know, sort of the research behind it is that the very first beers that were ever brewed were basically, uh, you know, loaves of bread that were getting moldy and were left out and got stale and then eventually got rained on or, you know, potentially got wet somehow. And then the liquid that came out of them sort of like wringing a sponge uh, would, you know, be full of all this uh, starch and all this who, good green was, flavor. Who, who, who decided, decided to drink it? It was that. runoff? <laughs> you decide to drink it because you're you're thirsty, I guess. I don't know. Or, or you're... You have a penchant for, for making mistakes. I didn't know that one. Right. Hey, you don't know what it was like, you know, back in Sumeria, Larry. That's that was but, the, no, the but daily thing. They were always challenging each other to taste gross things. But you're dead serious. You're dead serious. That's... Oh, I'm totally serious. Yeah, I'm totally serious. Right. Yeah, There's I mean, this stuff. Perfect you know, whatever, name for the podcast. Come yeah, out. Yeah. 
it's could runoff. be fermented into beer. We're anyway, yeah, the, a, a better way to, to describe it is that beer and bread are made from the same things, grain and water and yeast, and they ferment into something absolutely delicious. And whether it has more grain than water and turns into something solid like a loaf of bread, that's one thing. Or if it has more water than grain and it turns stays liquid and turns into beer, uh, either product is absolutely delicious. Great. Delicious. That was, that was a question I was waiting to ask you. But it's, okay. it's runoff. It's runoff. It's runoff. It's, it's right? the runoff of spoiled food of spoiled being left food. out in the rain. Would, would you prefer leachate? <laughs> and some dude, some dude named um, Jeremy, son of Jeremy's son, looked at some bread and was like, I'm about to drink this water from this sponge. His, te- his teeth have fallen out. Yeah. He's looking for another way to consume that bread. And he got tipsy and was like, we're on to something here. Hey, I love it. Start of a revolution. Hey, did it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah. So each episode, we're going to have a topic. Uh, sometimes it's going to be a style of beer. Sometimes it's going to be like a story. There's just like lots of stories to talk about. Sometimes, you know, just random topics and categories throughout beer history and the contemporary topics, all that sort of stuff. Our first episode, our topic is going to be uh, the style of beer known as Pilsner. Um, uh, so, Rich, do you want to real quick uh, run down? Um, I think you... Like this as our first episode topic, um, what made you pick Pilsner for the topic of our first episode? Pilsner is uh, as as widely consumed in, throughout the world as it is. It's a really polarizing uh, topic within beer because a lot of people assume that all beer is Pilsner or that Pilsner, you know, when they drink their first Pilsner, that it uh, defines the flavor of beer and they either fall in love with it or they hate it and then they're turned off by it and they don't drink it again. Um <laughs> Because it's so ubiquitous, you know, in TV commercials and, you know, in movies and at bars, you know, everyone assumes that's, that that's what beer is. And so people that are beer geeks really try to um, encourage people to, to learn about other styles of beer. And it's easy to sort of forget about Pilsner. And there's a really interesting story behind Pilsner and the, you know, the the scions of Pilsner, the descendants of the original style of Pilsner have really proliferated throughout the world, but they're all distinctly different. And there's a lot of regionality to it. There's a lot of different sub styles of Pilsner and they're all, uh, they all have their merits and uh, it's worth, it's worth digging into that stuff. What is, what are some of your favorite sub styles? Uh, well, I'm a sucker for the Czech style, the original uh, kind of Bohemian or Czech style, uh, the German style. I love um, both those two are the two two substyles that have been brewed the longest. Um, it's not very long, by the way. A lot of people think Pilsner's been around for a long time, but uh, it really wasn't first brewed until 1842. Whoa, whoa, so we're not even two centuries old. I got the story. Stealing, I did a bunch of research. I did a, lot, wow. I did a lot of research wow. and I prepared the story of beer <laughs> and just jumping ahead. Please, man, regale us, please. Yeah, so this is a, a lot of information, um, some of it from the Oxford Companion to Beer, um, just plenty of uh, beer sources, um, and on Rich's website, which we'll probably link on our Twitter and everything, uh, he has a bunch of great like resources if you are interested in reading into more about beer. Um, but to get into Pilsner, the Oxford Companion to Beer describes a Pilsner as a pale golden lager originally from the Czech Republic that, quote, revolutionized the brewing world with its seductive golden glow and crisp, refreshing taste. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> while they're not all too similar to the original, imitation Pilsners, which often just call themselves Pilsners, make up 90 to 95 percent of the world's beer volume today. Uh, and when most people think of just the general flavor of a beer, uh, they're thinking of a Pilsner or one of the imitators it spawned. Uh, and uh, well-known examples of Pilsners um, that I've found are Budweiser, Amstel, Heineken, 
Bex, Stella Artois, and most importantly, the one that started it all, Pilsner Urkel. Yeah, and Maddie, I gotta, I gotta put you on pause for one second. Yeah. We're, we, we need to dive in, what if not now, at some point what in this, uh, in this episode about, uh, about these various different he's, brands. He's coming to get you. All... I know it comes. <laughs> I'm coming to support him on some of his mentions <laughs> and coming to let him reflect on some of the other uh, mentions that he, he had there. So, but yeah, we can get into that later. I just want to say that's not a okay. necessarily definitive list, and people can argue left and right about it uh, all they want. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's so, up for so we'll leave people to wonder which of the ones I mentioned are fakers, yes. are liars. <laughs> are well, then let's say liars and fake. Oh, sorry, not, well, there's some corn. Like there's some corn. And, there's some corn and rice in some of those, right? Right, Rich. There is, Larry. Yes. Is that allowed? Maybe. Maybe not. It depends who you ask. And from uh, that Super Bowl commercial a year ago, I corn syrup is very bad. <laughs> supposedly, the Bud Light Night taught me that. Taught me that. Um, but let's get into the story of Pilsner. Let's go. Wait, wait, wait hold on, hold on. I want to know what? is is it what is it allowed? Do you think it's allowed, Rich, or no? Like if if, well, if you it, if you were brewing one, would you would you put it in there? If I were brewing a substyle of Pilsner called a pre-prohibition lager, a pre-prohibition Pilsner, okay. yeah, because it's an American version, and the you know when German brewers and Czech brewers <laughs> came over to the United States in the 1800s, okay. they couldn't brew with the the same European ingredients so, that they were used. So they people, used American ingredients like corn and six row barley. Uh, and so that style is really predicated upon those ingredients, and it creates the flavor that it does. So, yeah, it's oh, totally oh, wonderful. So okay. if you're going to do that, though, okay. make sure you're making a pre-prohibition lager. Or an American-style lager. Or an American-style. You know, American light lager or something. You just you know, be I don't tend to drink as many of those, but I do like a pre-prohibition Pilsner because it has some malt character and some bitterness, some hop character, too. Delicious. So, cool. yeah, and that's sort of in, more in the philosophy of the European style that do have malt and hop flavor. Uh, so that's those the character of those original old school ingredients I, is important. To me and I, I, I don't want to prolong this, but do you have some examples? Because <laughs> I pre- will. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. No, I was I wasn't trying to stop you. I actually wanted you to keep talking. Um, do you have some uh, examples of some pre-prohibition styles. You know, they're that, that they're hard like? to find. Okay, I honestly can't. I can't think of any. Um, it's such an obscure style uh, that you know. Smaller brew pubs in the United States will brew it, um, sort of as a one-off or maybe a summer seasonal or something like that. Um, I can't think of any that make okay. it into bottles or cans okay. and are shipped across the country or anything like that. Got it's it, sort of it. a, okay. it's an historic footnote style at this point, gotcha. but they can taste good. All right. All right. Um, so let's get into the story of Pilsner. We'll run through uh, the history of this uh, very historic uh, beer. Uh, and the story of Pilsner, it's also the story of the Czech town of Pilsen. Rich, have you been to Pilsen? I have been to Pilsen. It's a beautiful town with some delicious, delicious beer. That feels like a silly question to ask you. You've been to (laughs) Vadabotgart and Stuttgart. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and like so many styles of beer, as we'll see, it's inextricably inextricably tied to the culture, geography, and technology of its time. So the story goes back to 1295. King Wenceslas II of Bohemia, which is now modern-day Czechia, um, found a new Pilsen, Main main beats to know is that one, it was near the cross section of four rivers, um, the Umza, which is spelled M Z E. I have no clue how to say that. Rich, how do you say the Umza? You know, I can pronounce some some Czech, but I I don't know that one. Uh, the Radbuza. I'm still impressed. You said Wenceslas. Wenceslas. He's a good king. Uh, Radbuza is the other river, and then Ulava and Uslava. Um, and it was also located near several major trading routes of the area. So that's uh, a little bit important as to what made it a. Uh, 
both what it is and uh, how it, its popularity spread. Um, and Wenceslas also, uh, when he founded the town, he gave all the citizens the right to brew and sell beer, which is obviously important. And uh, back then, Rich will obviously get into this a million times because there's so many different styles and stuff and so much development over that time. But it feels like uh, all you need to know around that point throughout the 1200s to the 1800s, where we're going to jump forward, is mainly uh, most beers were ales and darker and, and vastly different from most beers you'll find at a local bar. Is that fair to say? That's mostly fair to say. Mostly uh, fair. I would say starting around the 1600s or so, especially in Bavaria, you started to see more kind of cleaner lagers that would have a little bit, um, you know, a little bit more uh, resemblance to stuff that we would drink today. However, they were almost always dark. That's gotcha. for sure. But yeah, I mean, because because you know, when I hear pale ale, there's a part of you that feels like a pale. It's going to be pale, but the it's just paler than the the other styles that were before it. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it's a relative term, and yes. the, you know, beer was dark for, for mm -hmm. you know, centuries. And so, yeah, pale ale is really sort of a holdover term from the 1800s or really late 1700s when pale ales were first starting to be brewed, but they happen to be sort of amber in color. So nowadays, uh, yeah, we would consider that, because we know how light beers can get in yes. color, pale is kind of a, it's a, it's a loose term. It's now. a relative, relative term. Awesome. Yes. So, cool. uh, so in Pilsen, we got people brewing all over. Everyone's selling. They're making beer. Um, selling across <laughs> Bavaria and Bohemia. Is it fair to say Bavaria, basically Germany, and Bohemia, basically uh, Czechia? I mean, obviously not. The boundaries aren't equal, but just those kind of. It, I would. I. I have to say, there's a big difference because oh, I know no. a lot of Germans and Czech people that really would want to clarify this. I'm already things, upset. But... <laughs> the Czechs and the Germans. Yeah. <laughs> Two down. Basically, especially, especially the the Bavarians uh, and the Prussians um, did a lot of stuff in uh, what's now modern day Czechia um, that okay. the Bohemians really wouldn't didn't didn't okay. like. <laughs> okay. So well, that area. Impressive. But just brewing was very important in that area. Lots of brewing oh, going yeah. on. Yeah, um, but ties it all together is beer. Yeah. And hundreds of years going by, all sorts of stuff happen. Um, the purity, the German beer purity law called Reinheitsgebot is enacted, um, which we'll get to in a later episode. Um, and that, but uh, just kind of the general idea is like quality control, right, Rich? Like just an established uh, guidelines for brewing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How to, how to make better beer, you know, yeah. can we do it, uh, you know, regulatory taxation wise, or do we do it with technology? You know, all these things came together to improve right. beer quality. For and, sure. and yeah, and over these, we're learning how to understand yeast and how fermentation works. Um, and it's not just guys putting bread in the rain. Um, <laughs> uh, so we're kind of learning and we know That's a lot more about, more about brewing, to sing in the rain, right? <laughs> uh, but we come to the 1830s. Um, and while obviously beer is very important, um, in these regions, um, they know more about the processes. Apparently, the beer in Pilsen was really bad. And in 1838, a bunch of Pilsen citizens, uh, fed up with this beer that wasn't just bad, but they thought was actually making people sick, uh, dumped out an entire season's production uh, in front of the town hall. They were very upset. Um, so the people of Pilsen, preferring to drink the beer rather than pour it out on the street, they got together and they built the I'm gonna, Burger Brauerei, or Citizens Brewery. How do I pronounce it, Rich? How do I do? You did well, except that that's German. So the, the Czechs, would they have a different name for it. And hmm. I actually don't know what that name is. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, uh, and they but yes, it, you're historically accurate. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm just running some German. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they're making an effort basically to take as much of the knowledge and expertise as they could from the Bavarians who had been doing a lot of work. Um, and we're putting out more, putting out more consistent beer. Um, and for the brewmaster they put in charge of this brewery um, was Joseph Grohl. Joseph Grohl. 
I was just I was in there when I said the Bavarians were making more consistent beer. I was ready for Rich to be like, actually, no, <laughs> you're wrong. Um, uh, but uh, <laughs> it sounds like I Joseph, nailed my Joseph research. Grohl. Joseph Grohl. You're, you're nailing it. You're nailing it. Joseph I'm, Grohl. I'm biting my tongue here and there. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bite it. Don't bite it. <laughs> His fists are just clenched and white knuckles. Um, you're doing great. So Grohl, this is all true. You're totally right. This is all true. Little facts. So Grohl, Grohl was the son of a brewer. Um, he was from a small village near Munich. Um, and apparently, according to uh, a, a lot of... Uh, uh, stories he was also kind of an asshole uh apparently his own father even called him the quote rudest man in bavaria um <laughs> but not, luckily not nice but luckily this mean man could still make a mean beer a mean beer. Hey. i wrote that line <laughs> <laughs> uh, now uh also some accounts uh say Grohl himself smuggled a prized bavarian lager yeast out of bavaria um, I saw other stories that said it was like a monk who smuggled it out. Um, but either way, that, that sweet, sweet Bavarian yeast got to Pilsen. And in 1842, the brewmaster Grohl set out to uh, salvage Pilsen's beer situation. Uh, now, uh, here's sort of where the luck of geography comes into play uh, and show you guys how important it always is in the making of... Rich, you would not say this, right? The location is super important um, in terms of what a beer ends up being. Yeah, uh, for the original region. styles, if you're going to use whatever's local and, and fresh, then yeah, it's definitely going to yeah. have a huge impact. Um, so in that surrounding area, there was a great supply of lightly bitter but highly fragrant, fragrant Bohemian Zotz hops. Ooh, good Zotz, is that right? All right, good. And, yeah, and Rich, so real Zotz quick. would be the German. Um, and because and I think, Rich, one of the things I love about beer. You said um, Zotz? Zotz. Zotz. Yeah, Zotz. spelled S-A-A-Z. So in the U.S., we usually say Saz. But oh. um, that's the German name. The Czech name is Jatetz. So if anyone sees a Pilsner out there with Jatetz. C-A-T-E-C written on that, that's the, that's the same, as, same thing expect. as the Saz hop. Um, and, what, and a thing like I love about beer is like it's once you kind of are start getting familiar with the flavors, you can tell the flavors. So, Rich, uh, Real quick, do you want to describe what uh, Zotz hops, hops taste like? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're totally beautiful and refined. They're all about these um, really kind of pretty, uh, spicy, herbaceous, floral uh, aromas. So a lot, of, a lot of fans of American IPAs love American hops because they're all about citrus and pine mm -hmm. and even a little bit of cannabis aroma. Ooh. The Zotz hop is totally the opposite. So we're talking like oh, black pepper, yeah. green tea, uh, cut grass, um, nice, you know, fresh white flowers. Um, some of the best ones, uh, uh, red vine saws hops uh, from certain small farms in uh, in Bohemia. Um, I know some Czech brewers that uh, go out and select uh, the best hops they can find, and uh, when they smell like strawberry and eucalyptus mm. and mint, those are those are the best ones they can. Those find. are good, but oh they don't my, but they don't oh taste my. like they don't taste like strawberry and eucalyptus and mint. No, they just mint. smell like these things. You know, mm. obviously, when you if you actually eat a hop, uh, yeah. it just would taste incredibly incredibly bitter. Don't eat hops. Sort of don't don't eat them. Don't eat hops. <laughs> Green and leafy. Yeah, they're not really meant to be eaten. That's, that's good advice from a master it's, Cicerone. Don't, it sounds don't delicious. It sounds right. delicious, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the aromas myself. are incredible. Yeah. And the, the finest. Yeah, I mean, most pilsners should have at least some character of uh, kind of black pepper, um, white flowers, uh, cut grass, things like that. I, I sort, of, sort of. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say on the subject of hops, this just popped into my mind. Uh, Rich, when we were in Belgium, we were walking around the town of Bersel. Um mm -hmm. And we were just walking down like a side path. I tried. I, if, I've, if I've been there, I hope I can pronounce the <laughs> name of it right. Yeah. Um, Bersel. Bersel. Um, but uh, so we were walking around, uh, walking to a brewery, um, just some side path kind of in just a random neighborhood. 
And it was almost like the, it's like the beer version of Sleeping Beauty when the animals just show up and land on her shoulder. But you just kind of turned and you were just like, oh, look, there's hops. And like hey, on this garden up. wall, just walking down like a path on like a, like a wall, there was just like hops growing. And so we just went they over. They were growing like, wild? Just or? growing wild, yeah. They oh, were, yeah. They were yeah. just like oh, wow. on like a city wall that was holding up a mm-hmm. hill from falling over. You know, like it, it was just there. They, it wasn't anyone gardening it. It was just growing naturally. And Rich was like, oh, hey, there's hops right here. And we just walked <laughs> over and like are smelling these like fresh hops. They smell fantastic. Oh, yeah. Like fresh hops. Well, they're really, they're really pernicious perennial plants. I mean, some people consider them weeds because they, they are so aggressive and they're hard to, you know, they spread. They're, they're, they're technically called vines but they're basically similar to vines and they just climb up and choke out a lot of stuff and so they grow all over europe uh i mean i've spent a lot of time in italy and i see more hops there than i see grapes a lot of the time a lot of the regions i go to wow Wow. Um, so yeah they're they're everywhere and And they're they're related to weed too right yeah they're in the family cannabisiae yeah Yeah, so they're one of the three uh cannabisiae genuses i just said weed He just said yeah. it was similar yeah. to a weed. So. Cannabis EA. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we got those Zatops. Delicious, delicious yes. Zatop. Uh, the area's Moravian barley um, is a, a variety that um, I couldn't find a ton about um, other than it's just very highly prized in brewing um, to mm-hmm. this day, Moravian barley. It's known for being particularly bready and it has the right sort of, uh, you know, kind of low low protein content that's going to create a nice uh, nice easy to brew with malt. Um, Moravian barley is a, it's not a variety. It's a number of different barleys that are grown in Moravia, which is the state next to Bohemia within uh, modern day Czechia. You you fact check the use of the word variety? (laughs) Um, Well, (laughs) I guess so. That's fair. I'm I'm bad cop, Maddie. I know. Um, I dig it. And uh, and finally, uh, Pilsen's water supply was filtered through sandstone. Um, this is kind of where those four rivers nearby um, come to play. Um, but the water was very soft, uh, which allowed the flavors to really shine through. So, yeah, it seems like we've got all these elements. Um, we've got this great brewmaster. We got the yeast. We got all the hops, barley water, and the water. Um, everything seems we got high qual going on. Yeah. Um, and what came out uh, was a bright golden brew. Uh, that stood in contrast to those darker colored ales most were used to. Um, and uh, some claim it was the first golden beer, but it was, seems like it wasn't the first beer, the first golden beer. Um, definitely wasn't the first lager. Um, but it was this combination of girl's skill and these ideal local ingredients that produced the first Pilsner. Now, is there, is there a reason why they didn't um, like, um, cook the barley? I mean, is there a reason why they, because if, if most of the beers were dark, it's because they're, they're roasting or cooking the barley. Am I correct or no? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And I'm just saying, is there, I'm just, I'm just listening to this and it was saying there was the first golden beers. What was the reason that they, dis, I mean, that, what thought process went into them deciding not to, not to do it? Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question for sure. I mean, that's, there were some leaps of, uh, or jumps to conclusions there implying that um, Grohl came in and like sort of saved uh, Bohemia from all these dark ales by you know by releasing this great golden lager for the first time. Um, the fact is, a lot of the beers in that region have been brewed with lager yeast for for a couple centuries, um, especially in Bavaria, but also increasingly across the border in Bohemia as more and more Bavarians moved over there. Um, but uh, beyond that, the pale color really comes from um, uh, inc- you know developments in technology that made it so it was um, brewers were able, or really maltsters were able to prepare malts that were very lightly kilned and lightly colored. And that is, I mean, they really didn't become commercially viable until the 1820s, 1830s. Uh, and so this beer is sort of a, a beer of its moment, you know, so if you're 
drinking the traditional beers of Bohemia and Czechia and Bavaria, all of those are really dark. Uh, mm. However, the beers that were kind of trendy and hip uh, in the middle of the 1800s turned out to be some of these paler colored beers. So over in England, they were brewing a lot of pale ales. Uh, and on the continent, they started brewing uh, even paler beers than that. And I so see. I see th- this one. Yeah, this one took off for sure. This happened to be the most popular yeah. one that obviously kind of took over the world. Um, but was, yeah, was that, it just because it was good? Like, was it just because it just like, like, is that really like, since it wasn't that unique i mean obviously it's unique in some ways but it wasn't like that drastically different was it just because it was just really tasty and people liked it you think that's like the main reason it it was different for a lot of different reasons first of all they they it's really highly hopped so you're correct Mm -hmm. to describe zot's hops as being uh low in bitterness and with really you know interesting uh elegant aromas um however if you add enough of those hops even though each individual hop flower doesn't have tons of bittering potential in it if you add you know pounds and pounds of, of these hops, you can get a lot of bitterness from them. However, in the process, that bitterness can, tur- can turn really kind of acrid and coarse and, um, and difficult to drink if you're brewing with the water of most of Bavaria, for instance, which is high in calcium carbonate. So you describe the, the water in Pilsen is coming through the sandstone um, aquifers and it was really soft, which means it doesn't have a lot of, uh, you know, ions and salts and dissolved minerals in it. And so that means that you can add a lot of bitterness to a beer with that water and it won't be uh, this coarse, really difficult to drink bitterness. So this beer was pale in color. And because it didn't have a lot of roasty aromas um, and toasty aromas from the roasted and toasted malts that, that weren't in it, um, you could appreciate the aromatics from those hops that much more and notice all the bitterness that was coming from the hops. But it was this kind of smooth, rounded bitterness because of uh, the unique water of Pilsen. Um, beyond that, they had sandstone is a really soft rock. So it was really easy to dig uh, caves and tunnels throughout, you know, underneath the entire city of Pilsen. And so breweries, uh, you know, the, what eventually became the brewery Pilsner Aquell, um, the, the Burger Brewery that, that we were talking about earlier, um, they, you know, over the next 60, 100 years started to, to dig, you know, more and more warrens of uh, lager kellers underneath the town of Pilsen in the sandstone. So it afforded an easy way to store this beer for a long time in optimal lager temperatures, like 50 degrees or so Fahrenheit. Um, and so that would allow these beers to sit around for a really long time and allow the yeast to do its thing. So a lot of the time uh, when, you know, say homebrewers, for instance, um, or, a, or a craft brewery in the U.S. might brew a lager, but they're like, ah, it's summer, you know, I really got to get this beer out the door and selling, um, you know, and so it can be a, a temptation to rush lager yeast, but lager yeast is really slow acting. It takes, you know, it can take five, six, seven weeks uh, to really lager out a beer um, and really have the, the yeast do its thing and finish up the fermentation and produce a beer that's very, um, you know, well, well adjusted. Let's put it that way. Wow. There are a lot of other wow. flavors that, that can come out if you, if you rush it too much. We can go into that in, a, in another episode. Gotcha. Um, um, but so because these caves were, were basically, it was like kind of cheap real estate because it was so easy to dig through the sandstone um, and it allowed the proper temperature it was really easy, relatively easy, let's put it that way, for these breweries to just lager the heck out of this beer and really have it um, drop totally bright. That's mm-hmm. the brewer's term for a beer looking f- really clear and, uh, and transparent um, rather than murky and cloudy with yeast. And so um, that happened because the beers were allowed to sit for long enough. Um, so this beer came out, all of a sudden, not only was it a new color that, pe- that most people in the area weren't used to, but um, it was perfectly, it was crystal clear. 
Like yeah, mm. that, that was a revelation. And people were drinking out of glassware for the first time. Right. Glassware for centuries was just this really expensive product that only the aristocracy could drink out of, you know, but because of the same sort of technological developments from the industrial revolution that allowed for, you know, a lot of malt to be produced that was fairly light in color, those same sorts of technologies um, uh, allowed glass to be manufactured very efficiently and cheaply. And so people could drink this beer that looked crystal clear and very golden color out of glassware for the first time. I do love that see part all of the these story. bubbles. Yeah, I love I love that like glass technology. That seems like amazing. played a major role. It's nuts. We take it for granted. Yeah, we really do. Yeah. You know? But yeah, and Thank then they glass. taste it. Smelled like these Saz hops, you know, these beautiful hops that they could smell growing in the fields around them or, you know, growing on the city walls. Uh, and then they tasted this thing and it tasted bitter, but it was the smooth, elegant bitterness. Mm. Um, and it was this like fully bready beer because of uh, because of how they cooked uh, the, the mash. It's called there's a decoction step. It's called that's a fancy brewing term, but it basically made this beer extremely bready delicious uh with all these really nice kind of peppery um herbal notes from the hops and it was boldly bitter but still something you could drink a lot of uh the brits call it moorishness so you can have more of it you want more than one of it uh, the germans call it Vitreglichkeit, which means you can drink a lot of it and you want more of it and it doesn't tax your palate and it doesn't give you a hangover so all these things are you know absolute revelations you know in 1842 if you're gonna drink this first beer it's like holy shit, this beer tastes incredible. And it's nothing like all the other beers in the area. So yeah, that's those are some of the reasons that it really became such an amazing beer, an amazing style of beer that was copied across the world. Rich, you you, yeah. you love beer, don't I you? Know, Rich was on one. That was, that was Rich going on one. Man. <laughs> Every once in a while, I, I drink a beer and I like it. I imagine you, <laughs> um, I imagine you just, you know, you're not in front of us. Uh, I imagine you just standing up. As you said that, and yeah. just like just starting to walk around the room. Yeah, I, I wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to. Passionately salivating. Okay. salivating. What's that? So that's that vitreglichite. Vitreglichite. Yeah, uh, vitreglichite. Sort of means it's the ability to be carried. I'm not going to uh, attempt or, or it. Vitreglichite. B o r n e. That's a fun one. Um, awesome. And also, just one really, just a little bit of point of order. Um, you said there, you said Pilsner Urquell. Yeah. So it's that it's pronounced. I've I I've always said Pilsner Urquell. Um, which I guess is like, it's like saying Urkel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just like Urkel. How, how, do, how, do, how do they say it over there? Is it Urquell? They say Basically, Urquell. Well, they don't, they don't call it that. In oh, it's a different Czech. They call it Pilsinski Prazdroy, which oh. means the, you know, the original source, you know, the real deal Pilsner. Um, and then the, the German version. I'm sorry, Rich. Can you say that name again? What do they call it? Pilsinski, which means like of Pilsen. And then mm-hmm. Prazdroy is the original source. Prazdroy. So it's like the original source Pilsner. Pilsinski Prazdroy. Okay. Cool. And if you look on a bottle of Pilsner Quell in these in the states, um, there should be somewhere written on the label. You'll probably find Pilsensky Prize Dre. Um, wow. So that's what they call it over there. And then because German is a much more widely spoken language across the world than than Czech is, I uh, see. they it's, they it's more commonly co- sold around the world as Pilsner or Urquell is how they would say it in oh, German. Okay. Um, yeah, Quell is a is like a source or a spring, and Ur means original. So cool. it's the original oh, source. It's, I will say also oh, a fun wow. thing. A wow. fun thing about talking to you a lot of time, Rich, is like you you let me know how to pronounce 
certain beers like Duval, you know, um, and yeah. like a double and a triple and stuff like that. And then I'll like, totally. then I'll order like a Duval at a bar and then the bartender will be like one Duval. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. and I'm kind of like, Oh, now I feel dumb. Cause I think they got dumb. And I'm like, but I, you know, like it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta speak the language that people want to hear, yeah. you know? And so I like to understand the pro or the, I shouldn't say proper, but the, the real pronunciations of these beers, yeah. uh, where they're brewed, how are people ordering them where they're brewed and how are the brewers talking about these beers so that I can communicate uh, with the people there as I go visit these breweries um, and go visit the bars where the, you know, they're just down the street from the breweries that are proud to serve that local beer. But then you also need to know how to talk about that beer, you know, when I'm back in the States, uh, you know, like I'm right now I'm drinking a Bayern Pilsner, uh, which is, so I live in Montana and so this is a great Pilsner from Montana um, because I speak German and I know the, the brewmaster and he's German, he's from Bavaria. I call it Bayern, which is the German word for Bavaria. However, here in Montana, they call it Bayern because it, it's just, it looks more, it looks sounds like more Bayern. American. Yeah. Bayern. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. So just to kind of like wrap up the story a little bit. Um, so it spread rapidly. Um, like you said, so many, like, you know, timing is always so important with these sorts of things, but yeah, you had the modern glass technology making that beautiful, beautiful, uh, bright liquid to use a beer term, bright, uh, liquid sing. And then also, uh, you know, railways were being developed, um, advanced refrigeration, uh, played a huge part of it, both, you know, the cold fermenting process, which I feel like fermenting fermentation in general, we'll get into a lot, um, but deep, much deeper at some point. And then also transporting it around because of refrigeration made it easier. So kind of all these things collided to make it the perfect conditions to send, uh, to, for Pilsner to spread out, um, across the world. And, uh, now, the one thing that uh, I, I picked up on, and, and Rich, I'm curious for your thoughts on this sort of thing, um, was basically, you know, it spread quick. Apparently, the guy in charge of the paperwork at Urquell <laughs> didn't trademark the name Pilsner right away. So yeah. so very quickly, all around the world, basically, um, even I think it was like 1871, it came to the U.S. Uh, very quickly, everyone was selling these Pilsner-style beers, um, mm -hmm. whereas they would have probably loved to be like, no, we make Pilsner. Is That's our beer. Um, so it was kind of too late that name had kind of spread. Um, and that's when they like, you know, trademarked Pilsner or Quell, um, just to specifically denote their, that places, that brewery's specific beer. Right. Yeah. And, and it seems like from there, um, kind of like we touched upon, uh, like it's spread out and then there's, you know, because people use different local ingredients, like there's all sorts of different variations on Pilsners. Um, but at the same time, if someone wants to try a Pilsner or Quell, it's pretty widely distributed. I feel like you can find it um, yeah. in a lot of places and a, a lot of people are probably pretty familiar with that logo. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, let me just uh -oh. uh, back up one sec. I, I don't know about the act, like how believable the story of like you know the the clerk at the at oh the I, brewery, that actually you know, was editorial that was that was uh that was my own <laughs> that was actually my own uh Here editorializing <laughs> that was my yeah that's, that, was, and that's that was not part of my research <laughs> sorry yeah um, that's that's a great you know uh, <laughs> a quick way to, to look at it but but i think the a cultural takeaway is that um in the old world you know so this beer is called the pilsner which is uh -huh. german for from pilsen okay and so i think the brewers in pilsen were like well why would we have to trademark it because there's only one mm -hmm. town of Pilsen, Pilsen. so that this beer sense. is called Pilsner. That makes sense. And so if anyone's going to brew a Pilsner that's not from Pilsen, like it's it's a it's impossible. It doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. Um, but because like like nowadays in the U.S., like or really across the world, New England style IPA is like mm -hmm. far and away the most popular beer style within the craft beer world. Um, but it's not doesn't have to be brewed in New England, and so. Um, you know that that horse left left the barn pretty early, I think, um, or left the stable. What am I saying? The ship sailed pretty early um, uh, for for 
the Pilsner because it was such an important style of beer that every brewery wanted to brew their own version of so that they could sort of cash in on that on that um, that profitability. And what else were you going to call it? Were you going to call it like, oh, yeah, it's a golden lager that's brewed with soft water and, you know, brewed with Saz hops. So enjoy, you know, or are you going to say, yeah, it's a Pilsner style beer. Hmm. You could so shorten that to like a Goldie. Or something, you know. Goldie. Like a goldie. Gold. Give me a Goldie. Give me a Goldie. Uh, I'll take a Goldie. Um, so, yes, I'm going other directions with that. So Han is, uh, is German for like faucet or tap, something mm-hmm. like Goldie Han. Oh. It's like the the tap from which the gold the golden. Ooh, that's like a real. That's a good like. Is that a real name? Brewery. Is there, name is there for potential a there? Beer. I think there's. I think we're onto yeah. something. Let's hold on to All that. Right, cool. Write that down. Quick, trademark it. <laughs> Don't goldie forget Han. to trademark Goldie Han. A Goldie Han is ours. Awesome. And so that's the, yeah, that's the story of, uh, of Pilsner in a nutshell. Uh, Rich, I know you've kind of hit upon it a few times and like, but just to kind of like give someone the, the most simple, straightforward, what do you expect when you order a, order a Pilsner? What does a Pilsner taste like? Well, yeah. So if you're not going to get into the substyles and all that stuff, which is fine, most people don't want to, a Pilsner basically has to be about 5% alcohol and real pale in color. So we're talking like straw colored or golden colored. Um, Beyond that, you don't really know what else you're going to get. It's not going to be fruity. It's not going to be spicy. It's not going to be uh, intensely earthy or anything like that. You know, those are flavors that can occur in some beers, but those typically are flavors that occur in ales. Uh, so Pilsner, because it's brewed with lager yeast, doesn't have those other flavors. So you should be able to taste the malt. And I can't promise you're going to taste the hops. If you drink a German style or a Czech style, you're going to taste the hops. Um, but as, as the beer continue to be brewed more and more by breweries farther and farther from the Czech Republic and uh, Germany, um, you know, the ingredients became less regionally, uh, uh, the beers carried less regional flavor. um, And the beers also, uh, they wanted to sell more and more of them. So why make a beer that's full flavored and intense and maybe too bitter for a lot of drinkers uh, when you can sell more beer uh, that has a little bit less bitterness and you know mm-hmm. may, maybe a little bit less alcohol or less malt that went into it because malted barley is kind of expensive. Um, so basically as time has gone on, as we've gotten farther from 1842 and as the breweries and beers have gotten farther from the town of Pilsen, they, have le- they typically have less flavor, less intensity, um, and less regional character. And so getting from you know, jumping from Pilsner Quell to, uh, you know, to Bitburger and Beck's and continuing to jump into uh, Stella Artois and Heineken, you know, we're not even in Germany anymore, getting into something like Budweiser or even Corona or something. Um, those beers, they look like a Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really taste like a Pilsner anymore. So I sort of draw my own line between those. So I don't really consider those Pilsners, but you'll see mm-hmm. on a Throwing can down of the gauntlet, Miller Lite. That's interesting. That's a challenge to yeah, Budweiser. A can of Miller Lite will say, you know, a great American Pilsner. But you'd say don't, don't you don't consider pilsner, that but... a pilsner. Okay. <laughs> I see. All right. Tap tap bottle or can. For pilsner or for anything? Yeah, but let's say pilsner. We're, we're talking pilsner. <laughs> let's stick let's stick with let's pilsner. Talk pilsner. Uh if if the draft lines are clean, I want it on draft. Um, if it is, if the draft lines at a bar are not clean, uh, then I want it in a can or a bottle. I don't care. The difference between cans and bottles is pretty negligible unless you're talking about a bottle that has uh, green glass or clear glass. Um, anything other than brown glass allows a lot of light into the bottle and uh, that can skunk Spo- the hops. The hops. Yeah. So if you've ever will... had a skunky beer like a Heineken or Corona, we're talking uh, that skunk is from, um, from light. Uh, that skunky aroma is from light getting into yeah. the Yeah. And we'll definitely do an episode at some point on off yeah. flavors and stuff because. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, and that's also something you can 
you know, once I learned some of the off flavors, you can you can, you taste, can it. taste them. No, you, you can, can absolutely you can recognize taste them. It. It's like learning a new word, and all of a sudden, yeah. you hear that you word hear it five all the time. time. Yeah. yeah, awesome. So then, Rich. So kind of to wrap up the discussion of pilsners, what recommendations do you have? And I know this is kind of tough because distribution, you know, kind of changes wherever you are. Larry and I are in Los Angeles, where it's pretty easy to find a lot of stuff. You're in Montana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what are kind of some, just a couple recommendations for people if they want to go out and try like a really good solid Pilsner, what would you recommend? You know, so th- this is where it turns into personal taste. You know, mm-hmm. if people are, if you're not a fan of bitterness, um, you might not be a huge fan of something like Pilsner Quell or, uh, you know, or a lot of German style Pilsners. Um, the German Pilsner has a lot of wiggle room within it for bitterness. And so something like Bex is a German style Pilsner, but it's not really bitter. Um, so I think that's a pretty safe bet. A lot of Pilsners from Munich are low in bitterness also, again, because of that water chemistry issue. So things like Pellaner, uh, Spaten Pilsner, um, things like that, uh, are not going to be through the roof bitter. And so that might be just the, just the ticket for you, real approachable. You might notice some sort of black pepper aromas or grassy aromas from the hops. Um, and you should taste uh, kind of a nice crackery note or maybe a bread crust note from from the malts. Um, and that's about it. And the beers are really internally balanced. They're really refreshing. You just take them down. Uh, they have flavor if you're looking for it, but they're not going to interrupt your conversation. So you can have a good time with whoever you're hanging out with. So that's a great way to go go about it. If you're okay with bitterness, uh, then you can you can try some of the some of the um, you know the original Czech styles or German styles, um, and they don't actually have to be brewed in Czech and the Czech Republic or Germany. So there are a lot of great craft breweries in the United States that brew fantastic uh, old world style, continental style pilsners that have a lot of bitterness, um, a lot of elegance. They're really kind of racy and bracing, and uh, they've got a lot of poise. I don't know; those are kind of fancy poise. terms. They got poise. Per- personifying them a little bit, but v- victory would, would Prima Pils fall under that. Yes, yeah. Uh, Victory Prima Pills uh, is definitely like that. Um, Russian River uh, SDS Pills, Firestone Walker Pivo Pills. Um, those mm. are some of the top ones that come awesome. to mind for for that. Um, but yeah, so again, we're, drink whatever's fresh, okay? And then if you like bitterness, try for some of the more uh, kind of old school styles. So Pilsner Equel would be one of those. Um, also from Germany, uh, can't think of a lot that have a lot of bitterness that are widely... Um, exported actually flensburger is one and yaver pills yeah flensburger and yaver both have a, a good smack of bitterness they're from northern germany the northern german style tends to be a little bit more bitter uh bitburger can have some some bitterness varsteiner a little bit um but then becks palaner spaten those are those are really on, kind of on the lower end of, of bitterness for the german pills awesome. um, but they're similar in bitterness to somebody like uh, heineken or stella artois so wow. so wow that's Pilsners, everybody. That's that's a good that's a good rundown of Pilsners. Obviously, they'll pop up again, but uh, yeah, now you know what a Pilsner is. Makes now you know want, everything. Makes you, me you want more beer. Pilsner. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, uh, yeah. So so kind of moving on from from that topic, uh, you know, uh, it's one of the more fun things in the in beer. One of the more fun activities in the world of beer. I'm gonna say is asking rich questions and just, you know, we want to do a segment. I don't know. We'll call it question. Trying to figure question. out what I'm making up and what I'm not making yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's catch <laughs> it's my favorite game. Let's get them. Yeah. The segment, let's call it questions for rich for now. Yeah. Um, but basically, you know, in each episode, we want to take time to ask you just kind of some of those questions that like people can take, uh, take their knowledge back with them, um, either to share or to, you know, live by, um, which sounds intense, but I mean, you know, just a, affect their behaviors uh, appropriately and larry and larry got on that asked asked that question which i think is is a great one that was i think the first question i asked you <laughs> larry just like 
Eyes went wide and whispered, did I take your question? Did I steal your question? (laughs) No. I mean, it's why I was going to ask it. Um, And I think, and it was that draft versus bottle question. And I think that was like a, that was like an early uh, thing that I learned from you, Rich, because I always assumed like draft was better. Like for years, I was like, oh, it makes sense. Like it seems in some way fresher as if the keg is making the beer on the spot or (laughs) something was, I guess, the mentality. But I thought like, oh yeah, you should get draft. That seems like the better way to do it. Because, you know, you can buy bottles at a store. So why would I buy a bottle at a restaurant? Um, but you really made me aware that that's not always the case. Yeah. One caveat with that is that draft is usually not pasteurized. So the beer hasn't been cooked to within an inch of its life. So you, you know, should get fresher flavors off of draft. However, gotcha. a keg that's been sitting out for a long time, you know, five, six, seven months or something like that, you know, might be getting a little long in the tooth, especially if it hasn't been refrigerated. And then, yeah, the bar that you're drinking the draft beer from has to clean their draft lines because if you know the, the beer is good and the glassware is good but you, you have a bunch of gunk yeah. in the lines that connect the keg to the you've faucet made me very you've made me at times very suspicious like i, I like have that thought process <laughs> and i'm like i'm like eyeballing the bartender i'm like does he wipe his nose on his like towel and stuff am i seeing stuff <laughs> do i know what to do like i is wish this place it were cool? that simple <laughs> i mean will you return will you return a beer if if you ordered on draft and it, <laughs> it tastes depends. like and you taste the lines or it depends if the, if it's the tenth beer I've had that night. No, I'm I don't care. But <laughs> yeah. if it's if it's the first beer, I you know I might. It depends what I'm paying for it. You know, if I'm in a fancy bar that really takes pride in its beer, and you know I'm paying ten bucks for this beer, yeah, I, I might return it. What you is know, the usually? I was gonna say, what is the what is the uh, Rich Higgins non pretentious way to yeah. call to oh, tell God, tell a server this beer? This is beer not, would yeah, you your lines you say are like, dirty? Um, the, yeah, your lines are dirty. Yeah, or you saying like sucks. I'm tasting I feel... I'm tasting skunk notes or like I'm I'm tasting yeah. off flavors or you just say like I think there's something wrong with the beer. Yeah, it's I feel bad doing it. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a comfortable thing, and I never want to like. You know, like oh yeah, I I like never send food back. I'm like afraid I'll eat a lot of things just for not having to deal with the awkwardness of telling someone like, oh, this burger is made. Yeah, I'll eat around (laughs) like the raw pork or at the middle of the pork chop or something. (laughs) Nice. No, I'll just I'll I'll often say like, yeah, you know, I I think this beer might be a little bit off, or this beer's just not, you know, it's not hitting me the way I was hoping. You know, can I can I try something else? Um, and most of the time the bars are cool about it, but yeah, there've been times where I've had to sort of be like, you, you know, I'll be at a, a beer bar where, you know, someone knows enough about beer to be dangerous, but they don't know the full picture. And the, you know, the bartender's like, Oh no, you know, this, this beer's fine. You know, uh, we, we go through 10 kegs of this a week. I'm like, yeah, well this keg seems this to be keg off, is, yeah. you know? And then they'll be like, oh. so I went to this one bar in San Francisco Bay area one time. This drove me nuts. Um, my wife actually got this beer and it was clearly off and I tasted it. She's like, oh, this doesn't taste the way it normally does. And I tasted it and I was like, yeah, it's, it's off with, you know, I can't remember what the problem was with it, but I knew what it was. And so um, we went up to the bar and she, uh, my wife said, Hey, uh, I think this beer might be off. Can I, can I try something else? The bartender like drew a line in the sand. I was like, no, 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 no. This beer is fine. We sell it all the time. It's great. And uh, rather than, assuming that the customer is right uh she turned around grabbed a little uh, uh, uh sample of the beer tasted it smelled it and tasted it she's like no it's fine oh, and uh so oh, she's God. like yeah i'm not Stay, gonna what's... beer I'm like what, what happened to hospitality they what didn't know who they were dealing goodness. with yeah you, <laughs> well yeah you stand so, up and say do you know who did, i as am as i said did you walk over there and Can lay down a master Cicerone, like lay down your master cicerone card like boom hey <laughs> I didn't because I was less concerned about that in the moment. I was less concerned about us. I was more concerned about all the uh, other patrons that they're constantly misleading uh-huh. and being jerks yeah. to and talking down to. Yeah, so I uh, yeah. forever have um, recommended people don't go to that bar. Wow. Oh, wow. So um, yeah. It's done, I... it's done more damage through that wow. that way because oh, they're I see. not honoring I see. beer. 
Yeah. You know, if they're letting their own uh, uh, egos into this and not uh, representing beer correctly, then then screw them. You know, that that doesn't work for me. Beer is more important than us. I think even that detail is so is is like good for people to know, like kind of just in a broader sense. You think of like when you order a Coke or not a Coke. I mean, I guess sometimes Coke is less syrup or whatever. But like I tend to order not Coke. I order beer. Yeah. But I mean, like, but when you taste the beer, like beer can be wrong. Like, or it can be off. It can be tainted, sure. you know? Like, mm-hmm. I think, like, it can keep yeah, changing. It's a and it, good. Yeah, and so, and it just can be, it can be off. And if it tastes weird or wrong, a lot of times it might be. But now, Rich, you don't get yeah. um, too particular down to the glass and stuff. Like, you know, what, like what glassware they're serving you the beer in. Or, 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 or sp- more specifically, I can remember um, one time drinking with you and um, you know, someone poured you a pint of something. And sometimes you can see these, like, tiny little bubbles on the side mm-hmm. of the... And you're like, yeah, this 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 glass isn't, this glass isn't clean. Isn't clean. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> your beer shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I mean, you can you can. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that are really obsessed with beer glassware, and the the beer has to go in a certain glass in yeah. order to taste good, and that's true to some very small extent. In general, you know, if if the beer's in a glass that doesn't have a hole in the bottom and it gets the beer from my hand into my mouth, then <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty happy. <laughs> that's However, funny. That's funny. I do like a clean glass, and if I see if I see schmutz in the glass, uh, I see bubbles forming on the inside, either from leftover, you know, food oils or lip oils, uh, or you know, say a lemon was on the glass earlier, and so the, there are lemon oils in there, something like that, or even if there are laser etchings on the inside of the glass to promote um, gas breakout, is what it's called, or basically promote carbonation to to come up from the bottom of the glass. You know that bugs me because it reduces it, it changes the carbonation of wow. the glass. Wow! Yeah. So I, I don't it like, might seem I, perfect the first couple of sips, but ten minutes into the glass, it's yeah. gone flat. And so a flat beer doesn't have the same aroma. It doesn't have the nose that the brewer intended on that beer. And so that glass is the last thing that could have gone wrong in between this beer being perfect at the brewery and me enjoying it fully. And maybe everything went right until that very last step. And that glass <laughs> changed that beer. I'll say that's, right now. That, that's a bummer. I'll say right now. I'm no beer expert, but I too do not like lip oils. Oh, I yeah. Like or, 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 or lemon oils. I don't like lemon oils or lip oils. I, that's a no for me. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not the beer expert, but they're good for your no, skin. Thank you. That, oh, is, well, that is hilarious. Maybe you're turning me around. Rich, you 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 really love beer, don't you? <laughs> I do love beer, Larry. I love drinking beer with you guys too, oh, Larry. You and time. I, in particular, through many of these uh, oh, yeah. visits, have drunk a lot of beer together. A right? lot. Oh, I love it. I mean, I remember I was sitting in uh, Larry's living room when Rich came to visit, and Rich goes in the back room. He comes back. He's got two bottles of I think it was brown sugar, or was it a little something? Something. It was uh, a Lagunita. It was a Lagunita. Sir. I think it was brown sugar. And you were yeah, just like, I, I used to have a you were like, you're like, you guys want to do? Ta- you want to taste some beer? And I'm like, well, yeah, we're <laughs> with the beer man. Uh, um, and you just come and you're like, this is a brown sugar that's from like 2012. It's been uh, it's been aged in here. This is a, and this is a you're new going brown to sugar. Experience and notes of caramel. You're going to taste these. You're going to taste these. You're going to taste what, how do, what's the difference? What do you taste? What are you getting there? It's yeah, Rich, I pimp, I pimp you out, man. I, I I tell all my friends, I'm like, when my brother-in-law comes to town, we got to drink beer. And they fall in love with you. <laughs> and so, and they so, they fall in love with beer. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a guide for the beer. A guy for the beer. A guy for the That's beer. That's our rich Um, so speaking of uh, drinking beer, um, one other thing we want to do regularly, um, because you know part of your expertise, Rich, is 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 leading tastings and talking about like what the experience is like. Um, so you gave us homework, and the homework was to go buy Anchor Steam. Anchor Steam yeah. from Anchor Brewing in San Francisco. And we're going to taste it real quick and talk about what we what we taste. Um, as we, we're going to pour it right now, it's not a Pilsner. 
It's not. I'll a point beer. that it's out. It's a steam. It's a steam beer. So, Rich, do you want to kind of? Is there? You see, I remember like when we talked about like what beer we want to do. You, this was like immediately. You were like, "Let's have an anchor steam." Well, I was just thirsty for one at that moment. All right, that's, fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right, so we're gonna pour it now. Uh, Rich, do you yeah, have awesome. one yourself, or are you? No, I don't. I, uh, I, they're hard to find in Montana. Sorry, we're going to be drinking a lot of this, Rich, even after um, yeah, we, we finish well, this episode. Like, you have to mail, mail some to me. Uh, well, guys, enjoy your Anchor Steam. Yeah, okay, we're pouring. So, yeah, I, so steam. I, oh, sorry, go on. Oh, go ahead. No, you go. Well, no. I was right, just going to cool, say so, I, yeah. I put too much head on, on Larry's beer. Well, that's okay. It, pour, I, I gave a poor pour. It'll settle down. Um, sorry, uh, I think yeah, I have so, some lip oil on my glass, Rich. Those are, my, those are our glasses. <laughs> I'm, my I'm joking. I'm totally joking. Well, just as long as it's your lip oil, it's it's okay. Um, all right. So, yeah. So, Anchor Steam is uh, a, one of my favorite beers. I have a very long list of favorite beers, I should say. But I do really love this beer. Um, so, Anchor is the brewery. Steam is the beer. So, a lot of people think it's Anchor Steam Brewery. However, Steam is the actual beer. They also have, you know, Anchor Porter and Old Foghorn Barley Wine. So, they've got a lot of different beers. Steam is one of their beers. Um, it is... It shares some commonalities with a Pilsner, okay, in that it has uh, continental hops. So this, by continental, I mean German hops or Czech hops, specifically uh, with Anchor Steam, we're talking northern brewer hops, and they uh, they come from Germany. So um, we're talking about the sauce hops being sort of peppery and floral and grassy. Um, there's there's a lot of crossover with, with northern brewer hops. Mm-hmm. So as you taste this beer, you might be able to, to smell some of those aromas and taste some of those aromas. Uh, beyond that, uh, the first thing you might see with the beer assuming you're pouring it into a glass is that it's got this really yeah. attractive orange color, it right? Really does. It really so does. So that orange color implies that some of the malts have been slightly toasted or kilned or caramelized a little bit. Um, and so, you know, we, we talk about amber waves of grain. The fact is, you know, it's really yellow waves of grain. And so uh, malt is, is pretty yellow in color uh, until it gets roasted a little bit. And so as you roast it, that's how you develop color in your beer, one, kind mm-hmm. of the most common way of getting color in your beer. Um, so if you see a beer that's kind of amber in color, you should assume that it's probably going to have some toasty or caramelly aromas. Mm-hmm. Um, so take a smell of, of your steam. Smelling. Do We're you smelling. smell caramel or do you smell toast or nuts or anything like that? Yeah, I get the, car- I get the, car- the caramel. Maybe a little. I need to pour a little more to, to check. <laughs> uh, if I can facilitate you pouring more, Larry, I'm, I'm happy to give you any reason for that. <laughs> uh, part of it is we've been like, as you've been talking, we've also just been kind of drinking. Drinking. <laughs> we, d- we didn't wait. That's, <laughs> not That's not allowed, guys. That's not cool. Uh, okay, so smell uh, No, obviously, enjoy it. Yeah, drink it. But um, but where I'm going with this is that when you see that color, it could be caramelly or it could be toasty. You don't know which it's okay. going to be until you taste it. Okay, and so some of the taste that you're going to get off of that um, is going to be things like uh, bitterness. Um, and potentially a tiny itty bitty bit of sourness. So all beers are technically acidic. And so um, the degree to which they're sour, um, as well as the degree to which they're bitter, will change whether you smell sweet, smooth caramels or you smell kind of uh, drier, toasty notes. Mm -hmm. So both of those are sort of that amber cooked spectrum that you get from the malt. Um, And in the Anchor Steam, I think it's much more along the toasty spectrum. I was going to say, I was actually going to say that drier, toastier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it helps make it super refreshing. So a lot of people say, oh, I don't want an amber-colored beer because it's going to be too sweet. Uh, the fact is the color doesn't mean that the beer is going to be sweet. And so with this beer, it's a great example of an amber beer that's very toasty and uh, uh, dry and refreshing rather than being kind of gloppy and gooey and sweet. Okay. So, I think I think I'm ready to talk about what I taste. Please. Or start talking. I'm going to try to do my best. I'm talking about my notes. All right, I'm taking a sip. I'm getting a little bit of, a, I'm getting a little bit of that banana. 
is what I think I get. I feel like I taste little notes of the okay. banana, and I think I, I think the carameliness new I, I also mm-hmm. get. It's just just it's definitely dry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't get the banana, not yet. All right, so here's that's a great topic with this beer. So backing up from banana a little bit, let's just talk about fruitiness. So this beer is actually, it's neither a Mm -hmm. true real deal lager nor a true real deal ale. And a big difference between those is the amount of fruitiness you get Mm -hmm. in the aroma of the beer. And so this is, this beer is actually brewed with lager yeast, which does not have the DNA to, uh, well, let's put it this way. When, when you ferment lager yeast uh, cold, it will not produce a lot of fruity aroma. Um, and it has the ability to continue to have a successful fermentation at cold temperatures, which means you're going to get alcohol out of it and carbonation. So that's good. You get booze and bubbles, but you won't get a lot of fruit or, uh, or spice aromas from the. Um, however, when you ferment this ale, or sorry, this lager yeast at a warmer temperature, that starts to change some of the behavior of the yeast during the fermentation. And it starts to produce subtle amounts of fruitiness. And so some people are Mm. sensitive to that fruitiness. And that's something that's fun about this beer. It's just like kind Mm -hmm. of a real hint, itty bitty hint of of fruitiness. And some people um, don't really notice that because they're used to drinking IPAs or Belgian style beers or something Mm -hmm. that's got a a fair amount more fruitiness. Um, So Maddie, I'm interested in your banana here. Are you thinking it's like green banana, yellow banana? (laughs) What type of banana? I honestly, I would lean towards towards uh, the green banana, um, almost because it kind of has that little bit of quality. I don't know Mm. if it's the dryness, but it's like it almost has that. You know, like if you eat a banana too early, it almost coats your tongue with a little bit of a like Mm. a. I don't know. You know. Yeah, you know. Now that you say that, or something like that. Now that you say that, it's almost like that that. type. But yeah, it almost has that Mm. sort of like quality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also say this beer, yeah. I, again, like I'm, I'm going to go like, uh, as far as tasting goes, like I, you know, I don't know the language and this is why it's so great to talk with you, Rich, but it, 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 this feels like a very smooth beer. Like it feels like it's very, it's not really harsh mm-hmm. or too, I would say not really, it has bitterness. And this is, this is kind of the kind of beer I love. Very I, drinkable. Yeah. I, I like the bitterness, but it kind of needs to not be too like kind of crisp or bitey. If I can throw out the word bitey. And steam would, steam okay. is under the lager family, correct? Sure. Oh, well, it's, okay. It's That's what you're trying to say before. That's okay. What I was trying to say it's but, it's lager yeast technically, but because it's gotcha. at a warmer temperature, it's not. Yeah, but it, really it goes down. It goes down nice and smooth though. This one, I think, like it. It doesn't. It doesn't hit me too hard with anything in particular. But I mm-hmm. also love. Would you Would you suggest drinking this cold well, or or warmer? I I mean it's great cold you know it, it, that's the common way you're going to drink it if if you let the basically any beer that's made well is going to taste good at warmer temperatures also so to get to your question Larry but also to touch on what Maddie was saying um, look, let's look at the smoothness let's look at what can mm-hmm. make a beer intense so smooth is sort of the opposite of intense so things in a beer that can be intense are things like bitterness yes, uh, this beer has some bitterness um, sweetness this beer is not real sweet. Uh, things like alcohol, you know, something that's, you know, eight, nine, 10% alcohol and feels kind of warming. Um, that's another source of intensity. Sourness can be a source of intensity. Um, carbonation, uh, the fullness of the body. Is it a really thick, intense, viscous, viscous beer? Um, or is it kind of uh, refreshing and watery and light bodied? So this beer doesn't score real highly in the, the intensity scale for any of those, except maybe bitterness. Um, it's kind of medium, medium bitterness is what we call it. It's about, it's about 35, 40, or sorry, 35 to 40 IBUs. Or that's, that's a way of measuring bitterness. So it does have a, a decent amount of bitterness. However, um, nothing else mm-hmm. about the beer is too intense. So that helps it be smooth. 
So that's a, that's a way a lot of people like to describe a beer. It's smooth, it's easy drinking, it's refreshing. And that's, a, that's code for not being too out of balance and not having too many um, really intense factors. Would, about you, would it. you call it sessionable? It, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's five percent alcohol or four point. Wait, wait, wait. Like sessionable. Yeah, sessionable. So sessionable. It's a it's a term that's <laughs> gaining some popularity some in the words. states, but it's really it's an old English term. Okay. Not even old English term, meaning that you can drink a lot of this beer Got throughout a, a drinking session, which is often lunchtime or a limited amount of time, uh, and you can still go back to the office. You can still go back to the factory or whatever. You're not going to be super drunk. So low in alcohol, it's something. It's Moorish. You know, it's a beer you want more of, you and it's more. not going to get you tanked. So yeah, what's that? Vetter Vetterklutenkeiten. What's the German word for? Oh, Vetreglichkeit. Vetreglichkeit. I give. I want to say I Vladimir Putin out of. I give Vladimir Putinkeit. I'm going to say I give. I give anchor. I give anchor steam beer a Vetter Vetter click and click. Uh who? I give it my. I give it the Maddie stamp of Vetter Vetreglichkeiten. What's the word again? I don't know if you're saying that. What's the word one more time? One more time, it'll be there. Vertriglikite. Vertriglikite. I give it a vertriglikite. Uh, Larry, do you give it a vertriglikite? Uh, I'm going to give it a very, it's a very drinkable. Very triglikite? A very drinkable motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Whatever actually, you call it. I'm you know, actually, I, I, I like Anchor Steam. Um, and and, and I've, I've drank it a lot, especially when I used to bartend. Um, but. You know, it's, it's again, it's like everything after like hanging with you and learning so much more about beer. It's like even right now, I just appreciate it so much more. I mean, I just I, I do awesome. like that. It's very drinkable. Um, it's kind of dry. And, and, and I do taste the bitterness. I do taste the bitterness. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that. Um, uh, I kind of like that uh, balance. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, well, you know, dryness and bitterness and things like that, they make us salivate. They make us thirsty for mm-hmm. more, hungry for more. You know, something that a uh, beer that's really full in body or that has a lot to it um you know those are really delicious beers but they may not be a beer you want to drink a lot of Mm -hmm. um so if a beer has you know some bright acidity and or some bitterness and or isn't real sweet then yeah i mean keep drinking it (laughs) you're gonna keep wanting more of it each sip makes you want more um and one one last i just want to circle back on the on the fruitiness too um maddie if if you're getting banana that's that's you know that's right on you know you get what you get i i personally Mm. i've struggled to figure out what fruitiness i get in this i'm larry hear that i'm right on well no i'm right on let let him let him finish Right on is what Maddie, I heard. He said, Maddie, right he said, Maddie, he said, Maddie, right on. Man. Let him finish. Right on, Maddie. Maddie finish. is right on. Your expert Maddie, told me right he on. He also said, You get Maddie what you wrote. get. <laughs> I'll lean on the right on part. What can you do? Yeah. If we have any listeners at home that are trying some anchor steam right now yeah. or are struggling to, to name a fruit or pinpoint some source of fruitiness or softness in the aroma, um, and again, you're not going to get this aroma off of uh, cold fermented Pilsner. Okay, but you will get it off of off of a steam beer or, or the style of beer is called the California Common. Um, I get it's hard to name a fruit, but I get a color. I get purple fruit, so I get a little bit of grape, Ooh, purple, purple grape, or purple a little bit stuff. of purple plum or something like that. So mm. a lot of the time when I'm struggling to, to come up with an accurate descriptor for mm. what I smell, I often will see a color. But, but you don't get banana. Now, I'm not saying you can't get banana. I'm just saying for for Maddie, just put it in my face. You don't get but banana. But it is right on. You- <laughs> I personally do not get banana. That's all. That's all I want to know. That's all I want to know. That's all I want to know. But I'm one taster. You get purple. You know what? Actually, you know, I tasted. I, I taste a. I taste a. I taste some purple fruit. I taste purple fruit. I, yeah, I taste, There's I an taste, amazing amount I of suggestibility. A, a purple. I taste purple some purple fruit, fruit too. Purple fruit. 
It's a little bit like uh, so for fans, McDonald's. Yeah, for fans of Grimace and Purple Fruit. Uh, it. Um, and I probably should have said beforehand, um, uh, in the future I'll remember to tell people to, to you know, maybe pause the podcast and go grab this beer if you want to taste along. Yeah. Um, and maybe in the future I'll post what beer we're drinking so people want to grab it um, and drink it as they're listening. Um, anyway, I'm just brainstorming ideas for what to do on the podcast. Yeah, I, think I think it's great. I think it's great. Uh, yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, Richard. I think that was a great choice because yeah. um, that's like a it's a pretty common beer, but it's also not. It has like a unique unique qualities to it. it really um, does. So it's a tasty one. Um, it definitely makes you want more. This whole thing about bitterness and dryness making you want more. I want to drink some more. Yeah. We're also kind of preaching to the choir here, Larry. I think you're you're a fan of beer to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> I want to drink more beer. Yeah. Oh, the guy doing the beer podcast yeah. wants to drink more beer. Um, awesome. Well, so, Maddie, along those lines, um, yeah, we should we should let people know before they listen to this uh, podcast that they should uh, go find themselves some Anchor Steam so they can drink along. Um, yes. But for the next podcast, um, do we have a beer in mind for that one? Oh, oh. I don't. Well, you're the one. Who, you're yeah, the, give you're us the give teacher. us something. You're, give us, us something. the assignment. Give us something, yeah. brother. Well, kind of sticking within the canon of of kind of big deal famous California uh, craft beers, I think. It's it's always worth kind of reviewing or checking back in on Sierra Nevada Pale awesome. Ale. Great. Um, okay. Killer beer. So, Great. so good. next time we'll it's, do Sierra Nevada it's like, Pale Ale. It's like the beer that started, you know, that helped start the uh, craft beer revolution along with Anchor Steam. So Anchor Steam has been uh, kind of, well, there's a long history behind it. It started, brewery started in 1896, but they started brewing this again and uh, doubled back down on it in 19, uh, 1965. Yeah, I think we'll definitely do, yeah, I think we'll definitely do an episode on that at some point because it is, a, is, yeah, it's a yeah. pretty interesting story just of that revival and their their role in, in yeah, you know, it's bringing America out of the, the grasp the of just the ages. big, yeah, just the like four big beer companies and just making it, yeah. yeah. So, exactly. so, so yeah, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Yeah, Sierra Nevada's in that same that same vein. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Awesome. I can dig it. Cool. So I think that about wraps it up. Um, Rich, is there any uh, last little notes you want to say? Anything going on in the world of beer? Anything you want to promote for now, just for the next couple weeks before we uh, do our next episode? Yeah, cool. Well, uh, I mean, there's always so much stuff going on in the world of beer. <laughs> the the big, big takeaway is to fall in love with beer and drink beer and don't don't stop falling in love with it it's so good um that's certainly that my mantra but um but yeah as far as plugging a couple things uh uh, over over the next couple weeks is uh san francisco beer week um i'm gonna be heading down to san francisco for uh 10 days to uh, produce a bunch of events down there um awesome ways to uh, taste beer have fun learning about it and realize that the more you know about it wait when are are you going to be there i'll be there uh the 7th of february through the uh 16th oh so yeah, I've got uh, eight events or nine events in eight days. So got a very awesome. So I guess yeah, calendar. if you're in San Francisco, uh, check out uh, check out Rich and oh, and I guess it's it'd be helpful. Uh, Rich, uh, your Twitter is at multi rich. That's correct. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. That's and where I'm on Twitter and, and Instagram. And Instagram too. Multi rich, and uh, you can also check out um, Rich Higgins beer events on Facebook. And I'm uh, my home base is uh, www.richhiggins.com. Awesome. Um, and uh, Larry, are you on Twitter, Larry? I'm kind of on Twitter. Kind of on. I'm kind of. You'll retweet this. I'll retweet. I'll totally retweet it. <laughs> okay, I'm kind of on Twitter. I've got some followers, <laughs> but I'm not ultraly. Okay, great. <laughs> ultraly is not yeah, a word. I've been online. drinking. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too active. I've, I've, I've lately okay. been mean tweeting the Chicago Bears, but that's, that's it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm, uh, I'm at Maddie Smith. Um, that's Smith, but with two Fs. Because you know Smith is a common last name. M a t t y s m i. Oh, I'm at. The, I think Friday. I'm at the talented Mr. Bates. At the talented Mr. Bates. Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. So he uh, truly is talented. 
check us out. Um, thanks for listening. Um, oh, and also, I guess one last thing. Um, it's super fun to ask beer questions, and we'll, ask, we'll have questions for them. But also, um, we have an email that you guys can contact. I'll, I'll post it with the episode um, because I don't have it written down, and I want to make sure it is because yeah. I just created it <laughs> yes. this morning. Um, but I believe well, that fresh beer. But email questions. Fresh. I believe the email is liquidbreadpodcast at gmail.com. So yeah, if you have any questions about beer, like about anything, uh, rich. You know, if you want to try to stump him, that'll be funny. That but also, just if you have yeah. just general questions about, you know, things like draft or bottle, that sort of category, anything yeah. you just kind of wondered. Rich, you seem to have a lot of thoughts on beer, is what I'm gathering <laughs> from the past hour. I think, uh, I I think got, he likes I'll it. Yeah, I think he likes it. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, happy beering. <laughs> happy beering. <laughs> That's good, right? happy beering. I'm about to go drink some Anchor's Steam. <laughs> <laughs>